everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Always Open. I am your host, Barbara Dunkelman, and today I have two wonderful friends with me, starting with Mr. Blaine Gibson. Welcome back. Back for another. How many is this? Too many. Not enough. Not enough. That's what I meant. <laughs> good, good save. Yeah. <laughs> Super sly. And well. also joining us today for the first time, Armando Torres. Hello. It's your first hey, time. It's good to be here. Yeah. Wow. Uh, haven't been here enough. Not enough. All right. Lead us in prayer. Yeah, of course. We are, on a, we are on a Christian show. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, oh, me leave yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, here you go. Go ahead. Uh, dear we don't pray. We don't pray. Oh, what? That was a joke. Yeah, we, it was a joke because the show is being produced Amen. by Christian. And I said right before we started, it's good to be on a Christian, Christian show. show. Right. And I'm like, mm. not realizing the context. Christian, yeah. Christian hey, cat. <laughs> hey, hey. Hey. Do we still do the, this is a rooster teeth product? Like the. Unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> we, do, we, we have on the, I think it's just the audio podcast uh-huh. uh, version. We have the, this is a rooster teeth production. Oh, it's so Which it sounds is so Christian's good. voice, by the way. You have such a good voice. <laughs> just shaking his it. head off camera. It's so good. Shut up. <laughs> it's a great voice. We should uh, play a prank and have someone else do that for yeah. just like a few different episodes of something. Yeah, imagine tuning into uh, a, the, the, your newest favorite episode of like Face Jam and it's like, this is a Rooster Teeth production. <laughs> uh, uh, please, sir, let me go home. Did I do that right? And then it ends in the <laughs> podcast starts. That was our intern, Kenny. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. Well, glad to have you here. First time. Yeah, good to be here. Uh, you know, long time listener, first time caller. Wow. Uh, you're the first person that's ever made that joke on the show. I am absolutely sure I'm not. You're not. You're, you're not. not. I made yeah. that joke so many times. Really? Yeah. Well. Did we just think alike? You know? First time being on, uh, long time making that joker. Perfect. Mm-hmm. There it is. Absolutely. Where uh, You want to plug anything before we get started? Where might people know your work from? Oh. Because, uh, like, obviously we have a lot of people who know uh, things we do and things we make, but yeah. for, for those of you who might not know, what other podcasts you do? What other productions? Uh, I work here at Rooster Teeth. Um, <laughs> I do a lot of stuff here. Recently, we've been airing a series called Armando Moves to Austin, uh, mm-hmm. where I chronicled my move to Austin, and it's one of the most fun things I've ever been able to make. Uh, I put in a lot of work, and a lot of other people put in a lot of work, too, and I love making that type of stuff, so I'm promoting the heck out of it. Please go watch it. Heck yeah. Uh, it's like a multi-episode series, right? Yeah. 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 It's uh, like a, it's like, um, it's like if Anthony Bourdain uh, was a stand-up comedian is the way that I would put it. And couldn't cook. And couldn't, yeah. And also couldn't <laughs> yeah. cook. And also stopped at Whataburger every five minutes. I went and watched uh, a rough cut at your apartment because we had gone out to lunch. And well, I love... <laughs> No. Was that the different... Oh, I was there for... I was pooping. That was when you was the pooping. pooping. Yeah. yeah. If you want to hear about that story, listen to RTP. Uh, but yeah, he showed me a cut and you have such good style. Like, it was just like... The footage for what it was, you guys on a road trip, is like impressive. Like the time lapses of you guys driving, it's all really fun. And then also just like the music you chose, it's all... It's really good. I feel like there's a very particular Los Angeles editing style. Like you have it, mm. Sugar Pine Seven. Oh yeah, yeah. May they rest in peace. Um, they had it. It's like this. It's a very Are they still going. <laughs> no, they all died in that tragic plane crash. Oh right, Jesus Christ! They've been living on an island for ten years. <laughs> who knows if they'll be eating each other by now? Um, but yeah, it's very like I don't know how to describe it. It just feels very like beachy, very mm. like 
good vibes mm. i else to describe i like to edit things in the style of like these weird spaghetti western uh i would call it very cinematic yeah it's very I, cinematic i think it's so funny to make things look very professional and very cinematic and almost like you're watching a real tv show or a real movie mm-hmm. but then the content that you're watching is like me being bitten by ostriches and all dumbass stuff <laughs> yeah or like trying to catch chicharrones in my mouth i also like, love you doing your own like narration too oh yeah i love that style of content where someone's yeah. like and then i didn't know it was going to happen next. i think I it's like a it. you know what it really is, is and this might be a better sell for it it's like if uh how to uh, with uh, John oh man Wilson? His, yeah, yeah. How to with John Wilson went on a travel ch- channel. I think so. that's it. That's a really good comparison. It's, it's also like I think uh, there's like a different styles, you know, approaches to editing and like scoring your stuff. And I feel like I always found like I, I, I have a history in editing. So you find like a good music track that fits the vibe that you're going for. Mm-hmm. And then you'll like cut to the beat of that. And it almost has like music video like qualities. Yeah. And it makes the visuals way more dynamic because it's matching. And it's like all the your sensory over. It's just like, oh, it feels good. It's groovy. It tickles all the corners of the brain. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also the host of the new Rooster Teeth podcast mm-hmm. uh, along with uh, Griffin Andrew, two of my best friends. Uh It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I think you can encapsulate most of the stuff that I do is like somebody asking me to do a simple job and me going like, cool, give me two months and I'm going to like completely make it it up. Not even plus it up. Just like uh, turn in some avant-garde bullshit. (laughs) Make something that will tickle the brain. Yeah. As you said before. And Blaine, anything you're working on that you want to plug? Man, I'm all stinky all the time. Uh, what are you working on, though? Uh, mostly, like, okay, all right. Uh, yeah, we have a D&D show. Barbara's on it, as well as our other friends, uh, John, Chris, and Gus. It's called Tales from the Stinky Dragon. We're in our second campaign. And, like, a while ago, we just started making these puppet videos, and they've been a lot of fun to make. And so much fun. I miss, I miss stuff like, like, we did an anniversary episode of Million Dollars Butt, and I really miss, like, big sets and huge, you know, productions. And we got, like, all these cool locations and wardrobe and all that stuff. Uh, Puppets scratches that same itch, but it's just mm. so much more scaled down, and I can control things a lot more. So, like, and the actors do whatever we want them that's, to do. I don't have to <laughs> deal with awful actors. Terrible. Why did you look directly? Yeah, well, I, I wasn't looking at. It. I was just. I was looking <laughs> at that tree back there because you directed tree. Million Dollars Butt, and I was one of the leads. Yeah, no, I was looking at that yeah. tree though. That's a uh, that that tree back there. Um, <laughs> You're making direct eye contact with me. Yeah. No, I have a crossed eye. Uh, he wrote down Armando on a piece of paper and is showing it to you. It's wild. It's huh? On, it's on my hand. I just yeah. wipe that off. But you know, that's I love that podcast. It's so much fun to do. Yeah. Um, and if you haven't already, I know we're doing a podcast here that you're currently listening to. Thank you for that, by the way. Yes. But if you have other time, listen to RTP Cult Podcast, St- uh, Tales from the Stinky Dragon, all the fun stuff we make here. Yeah, I'm on that one too. Which one? You are. I'm on Tales from the Sinky Dragon. He, does a voice, he did a voice. voice that's right. Yeah. I did a voice. Well, uh, I, 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 very big voice. I feel like Armando, before we get into all the questions and stuff like that, I do want to highlight like our friendships developed over the course of the pandemic. Like mm-hmm. you were like uh, someone that was, I guess, in the roost at the time. And, you know, we were like wanting to collaborate with your podcast and you guys got it brought in for our stuff. And then we you brought us into your stuff. And uh, you're like one of the friendships that I 
will always remember when I think of an awful time period, I'll think of the, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. When I think of that awful time during the pandemic, I'll, I'll remember fondly the good friendships that came from it. And you were definitely one of them. You and Paige, yeah. who's the other co-host. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember because you did Cult Podcast, I think, once or twice or worked with Cult Podcast for Good Morning From Hell. Well, originally he came on for Good Morning From Hell, Armando, and Paige did. And uh, like right off the bat, we had like, we listed out some characters that they could play. And they're at the bat, Armando. <laughs> was like I, I actually like this idea i want to do this instead and, and all this and i remember telling chris was like i don't know who the hell this harmonic guy thinks he is but i'm real freaking tired of it and then they knocked it out of the park they like killed it their episode and then we got to go on for theirs and then i just started listening to cult podcast and and, and then we had some streams with you guys too i remember yeah. we did a, a, yeah. when we played among us like every single week you oh, came man. on and played among us with uh with us one time and yeah. I was like, I love this Armando dude. We should, we should work yeah. with him more often. I really, uh, two of my favorite memories from that era is, uh, one, yeah, the friendship that I formed with Blaine because we talked all the time. Mm. We, we actually would like talk on the phone and uh, it was really, really nice and really sweet. Were you it, on your stomach kicking your feet up? Yeah, yeah. Twirling I your mean, hair. both of us were going through different life events at the time. So yeah, like Armando and I got real deep into our friendship and just like i love that <laughs> like and, how are you doing you doing okay <laughs> yeah it was it was more than just like surface level stuff which i feel like i have a lot with uh, a lot of people here at rooster teeth that like sure we talk a lot about work and what we're working on and stuff but like i i we formed a friendship that was really nice uh and i think what helped that is that both of us, mostly Blaine though, would listen to all of Colt podcast in order, <laughs> and so formed a sort of like a parasocial, parasocial relationship. Oh, yeah. yeah, knew everything about you and your yeah. thoughts on every topic. But it was actual. But like at the same time, I was watching a ton of content with him in it <laughs> and right. doing the same thing. So we parasocialed ourselves into <laughs> becoming best friends. <laughs> That's the key. Just have something you could both be parasocial about to each other. Yeah, oh, so I it absolutely loved it. Yeah. 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 It's like a two negatives canceling each other out to be positive, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like, and don't do not do this, but it's like two stalkers realizing that they're stalking each other. It's the Pina Colada song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you like listening to true crime. <laughs> and watching Good Morning from Hell. I, I remember I ordered, I was like, I was enjoying uh, Cult Podcast so much. That I wanted to buy some merch, so I bought like a pen and then some stickers. You yeah. know, just the, the minimal amount just you to like show some stickers. love. Yeah. And I do love uh, stickers. I, I put them all over my garage. And like Armando DM'd me and was like, what are you doing buying us stuff? Like, <laughs> I'm going to send you things. And I was like, don't. I'm trying. This is me attempting to support you. I want to support you. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm going to send you a bunch of free stuff. And I was like, stop. Stop, stop it, you. <laughs> and we got in a slappy fight over <laughs> no, online. I, that's love, what, I love the friendship you guys have. That's yeah. what a lot of people don't know, by the way, is that whenever you ordered something from uh, Colt Podcast, it went to my email. <laughs> and then <laughs> so I would go, see the name I would go oh, oh, no. And then run to my closet and shove it into a box and then go to the <laughs> post office and send it to you. I like to picture your closet as just a bunch of different sizes of cold podcast t-shirts. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and stickers. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, that's not an uncommon thing for a lot of businesses. No, no. And, uh, God, is it terrible. If you're running a small business, I love you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Power to you. Um, or let's get into today's show. Mm -hmm. So today, um, we're going to be talking about some pretty deep stuff um we're gonna get into some questions about depression and self-image and things of that nature so just wanted to give everyone watching just a heads up that we're gonna be talking about that stuff and if it's not comfortable for you no hard feelings but if you are comfortable 
feel free to stick around and watch. Yeah, but I feel like if you've watched the show before, you know it's basically content warning the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get into some some heavy stuff sometimes. Yeah, um, but I'm grateful that you guys are here and that we're going to get into it. And I think it'll mean a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. and I told you beforehand that I. Uh, I put a, I don't know what I would call it, a uh, a limit on bits. Yeah. I'm known to do a lot of bits and blur the line between what's real and what's a joke. But uh, I promise that I'm being, I am in the spirit of the show, always open. I, I feel there like this is one of the few shows that you get like the truest, like pulling back the curtain of our personalities. Oh, yeah. This is the least like characters that we're putting on and it's the more genuine us. But yeah. It's, well, it's an honor for yeah. me. To, to have you guys with us. Yeah, always um, open. Always open. I want to do, I, I do want to start things off though with a little bit of an icebreaker. And this is something we used to do on the show pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. It was called Cheers to That, um, where we each went around the table and talked about something positive that's happened in our life recently. Mm. You know, since we are going to be getting into some stuff about depression, I do want to start things off of just like, what is something that, something good that's happened that you could recognize and think about and appreciate? Yeah. Do you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, like racking my brain. Well, I, I, I got something. If uh, I, so I recently moved to Austin, you Texas, uh, yeah. and no offense to Austin, Texas and the people from here, but I fucking hate this place. <laughs> uh, and it, and it really has less to do with the fact that it's Austin and more of the fact that it's not Los Angeles, which okay. is a city known for the industry that I want to be in a city that I spent a lot of years uh, building a reputation and a career in. And then also, and more importantly, where I grew up, it's my home. It's a place that I love. And so moving here has been a a very big culture shock, weather shock. I mean, you're seeing me wearing t-shirts for the first time in years. Uh, Sorry about that. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) Just stop spraying hairspray and I think that'll cool the environment down. That'll solve it. I I just want to go back to wearing jackets. But my point is it's been a really rough transition for me. And one of the things that I'm so grateful for is... uh, this friend group that Mm. i both had before i came here and have become i feel like even closer to since i've moved here we went to a a party for blaine's birthday uh at a drive-in and it just felt like such a really fun uh thing barb is has invited me out uh barb and trevor and i have gone out to brunch several times and you know hung out and it's just like i'm already getting choked up Mm -hmm. i uh it is so hard to move to a new place with such a big culture shock and the fact that i have uh a group of friends that can both help me in adjusting to that and also are just here for me whether it's i mean we had a conversation where you were like if you ever need to talk about anything like knowing Mm -hmm. that i have those lifelines but also having friends that have made me enjoy being here is uh, something that I am immensely grateful for. So we for. outweigh the terribleness of Texas. Yeah, Texas. <laughs> you have yeah. made Texas a good place bearable. to be. <laughs> More than bearable, I would say. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I, could, I, I think I do speak for every single person here that said, like, we're grateful to have you here and, like, really excited that you are here because, I mean, the second that you came into our sphere our universe like everyone is like immediately fall in love with you you're so much fun you're such a good person and you're like a good fucking friend too i don't think like you get enough credit for like how good of a friend you are yeah uh, that means a lot it means that the the tricks are working <laughs> i've made you assume that i'm a good person and a good guy yeah man hey. you're always you're always a good friend a shoulder to cry on a, a toilet to shit in i mean you just <laughs> 
<laughs> I like the in- insinuation of you are a toilet. You are the toilet to shit in. <laughs> and for Blaine, that is a high compliment. Yeah, he, this man loves his poop. Very particular about his toilets. What about you, Blaine? Uh, you know, I can't think of one big event because I feel like life has been really regular and steady here of late. And I can't complain and i'm not gonna say like oh i haven't had these big fun moments that have you know come out and and shocked me and and really you know any of that stuff Uh, but i think i've reached a place just like in my mental health and in my relationships and my my fitness my physical health and and even in work where it's just like i'm in a comfortable i'm on a comfortable like track and i'm just like there's nothing scary or lingering over me that's like stressing me out and just feeling awful it's just like i'm just i'm happy yeah you're not in crisis mode yeah and that feels so nice yeah and like sometimes i think especially when you're you live life and this is something that i have to deal with with my girlfriend and something that she has to go through and, and i have to like you know be there for her when you're always in a crisis mode you're and then you finally get a moment of respite and in peace mm-hmm. your brain is still thinking well what's next what's the next thing that i'm gonna have to fucking freak out about and then like anxiety builds up because it's yep. like prepping for that brain space that it's always in where it's always freaking out and, and like stressing the worst out. case scenario too yeah and yeah. then you get like intrusive thoughts and stuff like that but like i don't think that i'm plagued by that right now and it feels really good good i feel like i'm just proud of you Feeling good, feeling even. I think another thing that I've noticed about you uh, recently and something I'm trying to work on myself mm-hmm. is that like when I'm not in crisis mode, my brain goes, okay, well now I'm empty inside and I need to <laughs> fill it with more stuff. Yeah. yeah. And I've been taking, I've seen like, I've asked you to do stuff or asked if you have bandwidth for stuff and you've told me like, no. Um, I also, I do this thing whenever I ask people to hang out where I give them an out and I'm not being disingenuous or guilt trippy. Like Blaine will tell you, I'll be like, hey, if you want to hang out, I'd love to. If you don't want to hang out or if you don't have the bandwidth for this, I'm going to go play video games. Yeah. So whatever yeah. happened, like I'd love to hang out with you or whatever. And so I've been uh, taking notes from you and something that I've learned from you is like enjoying those moments of calm and sort of not just instinctively overloading myself. And yeah. uh, that's a hard thing to do yeah. when you're used to doing that a lot. Yeah. Or like always used to having something you're focusing on, something you're working on, a event you're going to, people you're hanging out with, trying to like make people happy, all the stuff. It just feels like if you're not doing something in that moment, you have like then your brain just starts thinking about well this and that like oh, yeah yeah i should be stressed about something i should be working on something what is going on well, this is a conversation that i've had with both of you separately is that uh one of the hard parts oh one of the hard parts of being internet content creators <laughs> is that we are our, i mean because this stuff is so tied to who are who we are as people uh whether or not you know for the most part you alluded to it earlier blaine is that we do play characters of ourselves for these cameras but like sure the job is you and for me particularly my my entire personality and life is tied to the art that i make if i wasn't working here and i mean this like not if i left i mean like if i'm not on the clock yeah i'm writing a podcast for something else i'm working on uh promotional material for other stuff i'm I'm writing stand-up and going on tour i'm doing you know whatever so like i have come here and you guys have regardless of whether or not you agree with what i'm about to say you guys have such a good uh work-life balance 
that I have been trying to learn from watching you both and implement them into my lives. So I'm really glad that you feel that way. Yeah. Uh, because it's it's nice to see. You work hard as hell. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, that comes from like 10 years and you've, what, 12 for you? Almost 12, yeah. It's like you start to learn the boundaries and stuff like that and knowing your limits. And I think a big life lesson, this is something I found out during the pandemic when we were like, really putting our all into podcasts and streaming and just all sorts of things that we could do to fill the void that everyone had in their life because of the, the pandemic <laughs> and being locked down. Yeah. No, I'm just laughing because we were like content and productive stuff. And I was like, not nah, drugs and Fortnite. That's, <laughs> that's what I filled my void with. Well, it, it, you, you quickly learn that like, if you're, you know, if you're stretching yourself out too thin, you know, especially if we're like, we're trying to be entertaining and stuff like that. And you just, you run out of juice. You're not super entertaining. So you're you're not doing a good job for other people, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Well, it's also tough because like anyone, you go through different stages of emotions or mental health, you know, issues or anything you're struggling with, but you can't necessarily take a break from your job. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're in a very fortunate situation where, you know, the company we work for is very understanding if you do need to take a sabbatical or like mental health days or whatever it yeah. is. But ultimately, you have a job, yeah. and our job is to be on camera usually, yeah. and to perform, and to talk to an audience, and to keep people happy and entertained. And if you're not feeling that yourself, it could be a really big struggle to convey that. And I know during the pandemic, especially, you're at home not doing anything or going anywhere, and it's like now do a podcast for two hours. Be funny, like, yeah. So I have different size spoons <laughs> that mean <laughs> like, that's what you get to. Yeah, um, I uh, man, I, I'm sorry. I will, no, we'll, please. We'll, we'll move on. I, I, on, on the point of like um, the burnout stuff is uh, this is a story that I haven't, I probably haven't fully told on Rooster Teeth content before, but like uh, my whole life, like I said, has been based around making content, making, making an attempt to do more like entertainment stuff. Sure. And when I learned that lesson before, it was actually before the pandemic when I was like, 21 maybe 22 but i'm pretty sure it was 21 uh i quit my job i was living in san diego and i quit my job and i moved to los angeles to pursue stand-up like more full-time this is when i started getting like actual work actual gigs etc and uh i was selling in order to pay my rent and like live, I was selling direct TV inside of Costco, which is like, I don't know if you've been to Costco. It's so layered. Yeah. And had somebody be like, hey, hey man, who's your cable service provider? Mm-hmm. And you're just like, I've. I'm here to buy nuts. Yeah, exactly. I'm <laughs> and here to buy paper. a pallet of nuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. People would just kind of be like, fuck you and walk away. And it's like soul crushing. And I realized that in order to survive in Los Angeles, like I was working so hard and I was like, I'm not even getting to do the stand up I want. So I quit my job and I moved out and I started living in a 2006 Honda Accord. And I wow. lived I lived in my car for about uh, a year and a half. Holy and shit. I don't want people to feel bad because while I was technically homeless, I like to call it... Uh, Frugal? Yeah. <laughs> I like to call it like I was the 1% of being an unhoused person, mm. you know, where it's like, yeah, I had a car. I had, in fact, at the time I owned two cars. So really I had like a homeless summer wow. home. You had, yeah, your vacation home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so like, I don't want anyone to feel bad. It was a choice I made. I also had an incredible support system of both friends and family who were willing to do stuff. It was a choice that I made on my own so that I could pursue stand up full time. Mm-hmm. 
what happened was I only did stand up. I would wake up in a planet fitness parking lot. I would go in and I would shower. I would use my food stamps to buy like an apple or something. And then I would write comedy until about 4 PM when I would go to open mics and then I would do whatever shows I had. And then I would stay out hanging out with comics and then I would networking and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then a part of comedy is just proving that you're fun to be around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I would stay out until four in the morning and then go back to the Planet Fitness parking lot and then become inebriated in a parking lot and then fall asleep and then wake up in the morning and do it. Rinse and repeat. I did that. And it like, first of all, you lose yourself. Oh, for sure. But secondly... I was so enthralled in comedy that I realized I was getting these opportunities for my hard work and I was squandering them because I was no longer relatable. All I talked about was stand-up. My whole life was stand-up. And Mm. because I wasn't having a separation of work and life and actually going out and experiencing fun things and building a a repertoire of stuff to talk about, I could no longer do the thing that I was giving everything to. Mm. So you can't fully engross yourself in this one thing. You need to have the separation because otherwise, like, what are you going to talk about? Like, I'm going to go up there and talk about, like, yeah, so I was writing five minutes the other day, and the crowd's like, this is nothing to me. I don't relate. Yeah. yeah. Did so. you also ever struggle with, and I, I've heard people talk about this more recently, of how, especially in the United States, your career is so defining of who you are. Yeah. Like, yeah. when you meet someone, it's like, what do you do? And it's like, I'm a firefighter. I'm a comedian. I'm a, a this. It's like, yeah, but like, who are you? And it's so much about, like, our career or employment or whatever it is that defines us to the world. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, such a backwards way of thinking of, like, that's just what I do to make money and survive. The way- but some people do fully embrace their career as, like, a part of them, which I'm sure comedy is and it's a you. It's a cultural thing, I think, in America, especially. So, like, you know, we even ask kids, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. It's like, what do you want to do for your job? But someone put it to me pretty eloquently and it's like in other countries, they work to live. And in America, you live to work. Yeah. And, yeah. and that, that like really changed my perception, especially with like work-life balance. It's like, no, 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 I want to, I want to, I want to work to make a living so that I can like live my yeah. life and do other things. I want to just make yeah. money so that I can go and do travel and, and be with my girlfriend, do shit with her. So just be happy. And I realize this is not very helpful, but I am presenting just an alternate thing of it where like I truly, whether or not this is good, I'm still working on it in therapy. But like I do I do live live to work because my work is so satisfying to me. And know? that's completely reasonable yeah. as well. As long as it's something that it makes you feel like you fulfilled. and happy yeah. and fulfilled. Um, I think we just get a lot of questions from people saying like, oh, I don't know what I want to do in life. I don't know what I want to be. Or like I've been doing this career for a really long time and I want to change paths and I feel like a failure. No. Or no. just like I'm not achieving a lot. So therefore like my life is not, you know, I, I don't feel worthy or anything like that. And it's like it, there's so much tied into that that I think is like, and we talk about it on previous episodes of just be a good person and focus on your happiness. And yeah. like everything else is extra. Yeah, I was going to be a history teacher. Really? Yeah. I get a cult podcast. I feel like you have the interest in history. You have that outlet. I I was going to be a history teacher. I was actually like getting all of the requirements ready to like go get the, I mean, it's really easy to be like even a substitute teacher. You just got to go to like two years of school and then they're like, yeah, really roll out the TV and put on Mulan or something. Teach our next generation. Yeah. Yeah. So like, 
I was going to be a history teacher. And then I was like, no. And then I was like, I'm going to be an audio engineer. And that's what I did. Uh, I, we don't, I don't want to dive into this, but like the first art thing that I ever did was I made hip hop and rap music. Oh, cool. I got like some minor success. People came to me like asking for like management or like if I would, when I was going to like release another album, like that's what I started at. So I was a rapper. I was going to be a history teacher. I was going to be an audio engineer. I had a full career as a graphic designer. I did social media marketing and then now I do this. Yeah. So Which like, is kind of all of that. It is all of that, but it's also <laughs> like never it's not a failure to go like i tried this and it didn't work yeah or like i want to try something else yeah yeah the moment you bounce around taste a little bit of everything yeah Yeah. this is your follow follow the path for yourself that makes you happy because otherwise you're no one else cares no one else no one else is monetary stuff is one thing sure but like Everyone's so wrapped up in their own life. Yeah. And in their own thoughts. No one's, I would never ever fault anybody who had a mid career shift unless you were like, I used to be a chemistry teacher and now I sell meth. You know, that's. (laughs) Well, if you're trying to, you know, pay for your cancer treatment. Yeah. yeah. All right. And that's more of an indictment on on the U.S. healthcare system than (laughs) anything else. There was a complete side tangent. There was a joke about uh, if Breaking Bad took place in Canada. Mm -hmm. And it was like that first scene where uh, Walter White is told he has cancer and uh the doctor's like you know i'm sorry sir but um you have stage four cancer blah 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 but don't worry you know what because of uh universal health care everything's going to be taken care of and then it like rolls credits <laughs> that was the end of it <laughs> yeah that's it. well get us uh, back on track we were talking about you know cheers to that barbara what yeah. do you have to celebrate these days yeah i think i'm kind of like you blaine i feel like i've i more recently have found a better work-life balance yeah um and it has to do with a lot of me consuming specific content that makes me think a little bit harder about things. Like one of the things I, I saw recently was um, happiness. And I think there's so much pressure on people to like, oh, I'll be happy when I do this. I'll be happy when I achieve this goal, mm. when I become this, when I do this in my career, when I get married, when I meet this person, I'll be happy then. And you're always going to be chasing that because mm. once you actually experience that, you don't really take it in as much as you think you would when you're in that moment yeah and how and i i know i talk about this a lot i'm just definitely preaching this because it's so impactful but just like really understanding that now is the only thing that exists yeah yeah and so like choosing to be happy when you can when you when you feel content or even just like when you feel not bad and just being like i'm grateful that i i feel middle of the line today yeah those are actually um I might get a little flack for this. Hear me out because I run a podcast about cults. Uh, <laughs> there's a guy named Ram Das, Baba Ram Das, uh, passed away. And uh, I really do like a lot of the stuff he has to say, even if it is just westernizing Buddhism sure. <laughs> for, for a, a, a greater audience or not even a greater audience because they outnumber us. <laughs> but, uh, a just, wet, more western. Uh, more western. Yeah, it's yeah. westernizing this thing. But um, one of the lessons that they teach, you know, about like his his whole thing, he's very famous for at least in the West coining the phrase be here now, mm-hmm. focusing on the now. Mm. But one of the things, uh, and this is where stuff gets complicated, is that the theory is is that happiness and want only ever leads to uh, sadness. 
because you want something and either you don't get it and you're sad or you realize that it never because we as humans are never fulfilled never content never happy so it like wanting that thing is what leads to it and i'm not saying that that it i'm not refuting what you're saying i'm thinking it's you're right in that I think they're pretty tied together, those yeah. two concepts, for sure. And they go because they're the same concept. That's yeah. this thing of being here now is like being here, being present. The only thing you have is now. The past is gone. The future is not certain. So you have Completely. what you have right now. And he even like, the more he talks, here's the thing that's problematic is eventually he'll be like, so sometimes maybe like don't have any sex and uh, like give up a lot of your earthly possessions. And that's where I'm like, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's making me happy right now. I don't know about that old man. Uh, but the stuff that is happy is he like, he'll explain that emotions are like waves. So like meditation and stuff, a lot of people think it's complicated because you're like, I can't ever get to that Zen state. And no one really does. That's not how human brains work. So he's saying like, if you're angry, let that happen. And then it's a wave that washes away and eventually it's gone. Mm. If you're happy, enjoy that in that moment. You know, it's the Jewish proverb uh, and this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. The the sentence, it's always true. The sentence that I had like three friends in college had tattooed onto their (laughs) body. The most ironic thing to do is to tattoo a Jewish proverb (laughs) on your skin. (laughs) Never even thought about that. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, it's the, the, the story is the sentence. It's always true. And that's what they came up with. If it's bad, this too shall pass. But if it's good, enjoy it. This too shall pass. We talk about that a lot about how like any, any difficult time in your life that you've been through, um, even like while you were experiencing it, thinking like, this is the worst time in my life. Uh, I'll never feel better that like you always do. You always get yeah. through yeah. it. You always get past it. And that means you'll be able to the next time and the next time and Dude, the next time. There's something uh, important about like using those as life lessons, those moments of like you're at the, the deepest, darkest bottom uh, emotionally, you know, like I think we've all been through shitty breakups and we're like, God, this is the worst. <laughs> this is, I'll never get over this person. This is, this is awful. And then like three years later, you're like, huh? I don't even remember <laughs> who, what their middle name was well, or whatever. What yeah. was I sad about again? But then <laughs> like, it's so easy for your brain to go back to those like feelings and you're like, oh God, it's, it's happening. I'm, you know, and all this and you just got to remember back. It's like, no, I've survived worse. And yes. Yeah. This too shall pass. And of course, you know, there are things in life that people experience that are extremely traumatic and extremely awful that you don't get over and it's hard mm-hmm. to get through and you do have to work on coping mechanisms and things to get through those. So I don't want to dismiss anyone who's oh, sure. actually dealing with Absolutely. very serious traumatic experiences. Um, I'm not trying to brush that off. Or no, 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 no. It's... Fun. Yeah, it's one of those, uh, God, I promise we'll get to the questions. Oh, I no, feel no. so bad. You are, do not feel bad. Okay. This is all great. Just keep me on track. As I, uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I've talked about this a, a briefly and Blaine knew about it and I think you did too. But like I, uh, in 2021, uh, I watched like a murder happen. Yeah, you've told me about that. And like uh, the comedian, like the, the messed up part is that the comedian in my brain, the way that I process trauma is by making it funny. That's yeah. digestible for myself and then alleviating the tension for others. That yeah. it's like a coping mechanism. It's what comedy is. And so like, I remember the quickest version of the story is that, um, a man knocked over a very elderly, uh, Hispanic woman, uh, who was on her way to like an immigration lawyer office and stole her passport and all the money that she basically had and i was in a very prominent hispanic neighborhood that was run by 
I would say a chapter of a group of law-abiding, social-focused community members called MS-13. Oh. <laughs> and uh, they chased him down into the laundromat, and they started beating him up, and I went to go, like stop it because when i see fights i'm like come on and also like it was a bunch of latino dudes beating up a black dude and i was like this doesn't feel right i didn't have any of the other context i was like i'm going in i saw somebody pull out a gun and suddenly i was like no actually i'm gonna go hide behind this dryer yep uh, you can hear your squeaker, your sneakers squeak as yeah. you're like, eh, 180. Yeah, I didn't. There was no squeak. It was like a cartoon where I was gone and went. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just an Armando shape smoke. Hole, yeah. yeah. And, From uh, the vape, of yeah. course. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, uh, yeah, me and the other people, I, I, I explained to them what was happening. We got down, we hit in the back and a horrible thing happened. Yeah. And, it, and I remember when the police came and they were talking and somebody said like, you know, it was a it was a good thing that you you didn't run, that you you told other people what was happening because the rest of the store we hid in the back. Yeah. I told the owners what was happening. We got everyone down. I helped families get into this room. It sounds like I'm being like no, brave no. or anything. It was very small. It was very easy. It's just like I'm very solution focused. So it's what what happened in my brain. We got in there. And also no one else was really in danger. Yeah. But still, you don't know still, what's happening. Oh, no. Yeah. Also things could get escalated yeah. And, yeah and so the police were like it was really good that you stayed instead of just seeing this and running and i went well what am i gonna do my clothes are still in the dryer <laughs> <laughs> and they did not find that but that was like you know i used comedy to sort of diffuse that and it took me a really long time to come to terms with the fact that like it really affected me and it yeah. still does and like i didn't leave my house and you saw I, or maybe not you didn't ever come to my la apartment but like i got I got. I moved to like a, a, a what do you call it? A high rise. Yeah. I moved to a place with armed security that tra- like that is there. Like I, I wasn't willing to admit how much it had affected me. Yeah. And it's taken a lot of work of like that happened then and working on this now and focusing on like being here now and like reverting, not reverting back to the fear I felt in that moment that is sort of reverberated throughout my life in a way that I wasn't paying attention to. So mm-hmm. this exact thing has like, I'm not saying this is going to work for everyone, but to our point of like not to dismiss trauma, it does help a lot to know that like to keep in your mind, I am upset because this thing happened, but it is not happening to me in the present moment. Yes. Yeah. And even if something happens like, a gun goes off, a car backfires, and suddenly in my mind, I'm back there, I'm in that moment. It's It helps me to realize like, I am identifying why I feel this way. Yeah. I remember why I feel this way, but it is not happening to me in the present moment. I am safe, I am okay. So that it really Great does mantra. help with stuff like Absolutely. that. Absolutely, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, you, <laughs> yeah. you could tell you go to therapy yeah which is I, great. I go to a lot of therapy i was doing twice a week for a while i'm down to once well a week. it seems like you've taken a lot of what you've learned there and like it's really affected you in a really positive way yeah is... it's really just good for comedy so you know <laughs> <laughs> this episode of always open is sponsored by shady rays take on the sun with gear built to last our friends at shady rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've ever worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures as well. If you lose or break your pair even on day one, which I have done before, 
They told us they will send you a brand new pair with no questions asked. I have some of my favorite pairs right here, including the Oakmont. Love these. They go with everything. Um, and these are some of their polarized ones here. Stylish, gorgeous. You'll love to see it. I have options and they're all affordable and wonderful quality. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code OPEN for a whopping 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. So try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. It's time for Dolls, Drama, and Death in Barbie Didn't Do It, a six-episode true crime parody role-playing event from the hilarious cast over at Must Be Dice. Barbie's on the run, accused of murdering her new boyfriend, Kenneth, in cold blood. Now, her best friends, Georgette and Candy, must don their detective hats and help clear Barbie's name before the real killer strikes again. This might mean tracking down and investigating Barbie's ex-boyfriends, the Kens, who know more than they let on. Kind of. Barbie Didn't Do It premieres June 27th, so subscribe to the Must Be Dice podcast feed to listen, or watch the full video versions on youtube.com slash at funhouse2. And make sure you head to roosterteeth.com and become a first member to watch episodes early and get access to the exclusive Barbie Didn't Do It post-show. Barbie's fate depends on it. All right, well, let's get to some of our questions. We had some people write in uh, some questions for today's show, so let's get to our first one. How do I work towards changing my inner dialogue to myself and be kinder to myself? I have body dysmorphia and have struggled with this basically my whole life. I've struggled with waves of depression and eating disorders. I remember having really a really low day and was discussing it with my therapist. She said to me, let's do an exercise. Tell me something about yourself physically that you like. I froze from the question and could not literally name one thing. Anything I picked, I somehow found a reason that ruined the thought. Long story short, I broke down and I no longer see that therapist. I want to be kinder to myself, but it's been a difficult journey to try and change that inner dialogue. So any advice is welcome. Going off of the therapy thing, I'm just going to regurgitate a lot of the things that I've learned about myself in therapy. And this is something that I've had to deal with uh, a lot. An exercise that my therapist put me through that didn't turn me off quite like that one would have, which I understand why that particular exercise didn't work out for this person. Uh, is instead of thinking of yourself as like you and you're just like wrapped up on beating the shit out of yourself and just, oh, you're worthless and you, oh, you're, you're fat and all that stuff. Uh, my therapist is like, hey, think about Kristen. This is the person that you love most in your life. Mm -hmm. uh, and imagine that they were saying this about themselves or imagine that you were, would you ever say these things, these awful things to them? And it's like, well, no, no, of course not. It's like, I care so much about this person. He's like, well, then pretend that you are that person like in that moment just like try to alter the way you talk to yourself as if you're you're talking to like Kristen. would you yeah. would you talk to Kristen these ways would you say oh you're fat and all this stuff it's like no no of course, of course not never i'm laughing because my therapist said the same thing and i still remember in that session uh being like well what if what if they were you know what if they were saying this time and i'd be like well that's not true and it's like so why do you do this to you and it's yeah. like well because for me it is true <laughs> yeah 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 no you you're the fucking, exception you don't know me brain bitch what are you talking about <laughs> well i think that a lot of that stems from this idea that i think is a very like common i don't know if it's just like north america or like where this comes from it's a western thought process but this like 
taboo about being confident in yourself mm-hmm. or like speaking highly of yourself or or just being happy with the way you are. Like there's so much mm. emphasis on self-deprecation. Yeah. I think that people are just like, oh, like if I if I'm like, oh, I love myself, I love my body, it's just like, okay, you full of yourself, or like, okay, stop bragging or something like that. It's like a difference between confidence, cockiness, mm-hmm. and just like loving yourself, which I hope that everyone gets to a spot where they could just love themselves, but obviously it's very much easier, easier said, said than, than done. done. Yeah, I think uh, I have two points. And the first one, sort of piggybacking off of what you said, is like, think of your favorite movie. You know what? A specific movie, because we talked about this before. Blaine, for his birthday, let us go watch uh, Shogun Assassin. Yes. A movie that he grew up loving, absolutely loving. <laughs> yeah. There is a scene in there that okay. made... No, no, no. <laughs> Caveats to this, all right? I haven't seen it in like 10 years. Exactly. College, maybe. But there was this moment that happened in it that made everyone uncomfortable, but no one more than Blaine because he was like, oh, God, I forgot about this. I picked this this movie. Everyone thinks that I knew that this was going to happen. Remember, this is going to happen. You are that. And what I mean by that is like... The scene with the baby penis? Yeah. You are the scene with the baby penis. Oh, no. (laughs) No. I mean that like... Go watch Shogun Assassin. It's a great movie except for that scene. Except for that. There are a lot of things that I can love about myself and there are some things that I can be not okay with about myself. Sure. And loving yourself does not mean I am perfect and I am unflawed and that there is nothing that needs work on, but you can be confident about little pieces of yourself. For example, I was talking with somebody uh, the other day and one of the, uh, one of the, I hate this word, but it's it does describe it. One of the sexiest things about somebody is when they are attractive and they know that they're attractive, mm. but they're not like they're not like, "Oh yeah, I'm the hottest person ever." The the fact that somebody is like, "I look good and I know that I look good mm. and I'm confident in this." It's extremely attractive. Or just like, "I feel good about myself." Yeah. And I'm happy with it like this yeah on the same same note for myself like i am funny i have spent years maybe my whole life trying to be uh very funny Mm -hmm. and i know that i am very funny am i the funniest person ever probably not is that person the hottest person ever i don't know i feel like i shouldn't say that on a recorded medium but (laughs) i think that's it where like there are gonna there are always gonna be parts of yourself that you don't like but that doesn't nothing is perfect perfection is a lie it's it's never attainable nothing on earth has ever been perfect other than like the fucking patty meld at whataburger yeah. <laughs> no notes yeah no notes 100%. yeah, yeah. and it's so good. it's important it's important first and foremost to just remember that and and thinking about the things that you hate about yourself are so much easier i mean you two probably relate to this we can get a hundred comments that talk about how nice we are and you get one comment on a video that's like i don't like armando and you're like well they hated it that's the only thing i yeah remember from that comment section is the negative negative and that reverberates out i mean negative experiences are the things that you focus on the most and so when there's something you don't like about yourself that's what you hyper fixate on but everyone has stuff that they love about themselves yeah whether or not it's small or big or their favorite thing about themselves or whatever but there's always something and it's it's you know it's really hard. The body dysmorphia thing is really, especially it's really tough. 
I mean, like and just inner dialogue too. Yeah, like being kinder <sighs> to yourself. The inner see the inner dialogue part is the thing that I have. I mentioned it earlier on this podcast is that like, oh, the trick's working. People think I'm a good guy. Like, I don't I don't think I'm a good person. I don't think like I'm a good why, human. Why? I if I may ask. I am uh I'm a scumbag. Like I've Yeah, but I, like what what do you do <laughs> that you think in your mind qualifies you as a scumbag? So I am always going to look after myself. Uh, before anybody else and and i'll put myself in situations to help others when i really care about them but it's because in my mind uh it's it helps me or benefits me in some way that's a big thing that happens with me i would say that's 99 percent of humanity i think it's a lot of 100 percent of you everyone's gonna look out for themselves unless you're a fucking monk on a mountain yeah and even then even then (laughs) even then one of the nicest things i learned about like uh when i was learning from ram das by the way is that uh those monks in in those other countries it's tradition for people to donate to them mm-hmm. so that they can do the things that they do mm-hmm. like if you see somebody meditating it's common for you to leave money or leave food because like you know i'm mm-hmm. saying that they have a different thing so even those people are in a way looking out for themselves yeah. too um and i'm not saying that that's what uniquely makes me a bad person i'm saying that I can see the argument for myself being a scumbag. I've also done a lot of scummy things. I'm like, I'm not necessarily what you would call like the best human being in the world. I'm a, I'm a mean person. Uh, something that a lot of people don't get to see is that I can be extremely mean. Everyone can. Yeah. I, You're protecting your peace. I don't want to like cut you off, but I do think a, a theme that I'm seeing here, and this is probably what's happening with this person too, and I think it's like a life lesson, but it's like, I think you judge yourself with uh, a harsher, like... You're your own worst crit- critic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you're you're judging yourself in a way that you wouldn't judge someone else, I don't feel. Like, right, it's like I hear, I hear you, Armando, talking about all these things. I'm like, I do these things. I don't think I'm a bad person. Yeah. yeah. But I also don't think you're a bad person. Yeah. I think I've also just done a lot of... That's the other thing is like, I've done a lot of bad things. Like I've done, I've done straight up actual crimes, but, yeah. but I've also done things that have hurt people for seemingly no reason other than because I was also upset. Like hurt, I've, hurt people, hurt people. Exactly. It happens. And I, I think like being kinder to yourself in that sense where you are not your past actions mm-hmm. and people grow and people change. I mean, to a much lesser degree for me personally, I've said some things publicly, privately, whatever. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that I'm like, I do not agree with that at all. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking or doing or saying. I don't agree with those opinions anymore. But you become a different person. Oh, yeah. Well, you're constantly becoming a different person. And like, as long as you are aware of that and wanting to strive to be a better person and being aware of like your past mistakes and being regretful of them, like, I think that is huge. Yeah. The yeah. Intention. And you can't really live with those past decisions forever. Otherwise no one would ever grow. And you'll see, here's the thing is you've both mentioned that I'm like <laughs> such a nice friend. And uh <laughs> and also like you're reassuring me now. That doesn't stop the fact that my inner dialogue is very um is very negative. There's an episode of Bojack Horseman, a great show that expresses like what it feels like to be depressed and also 
uh, specifically depression within like the entertainment industry that I like a lot. Mm. I know it's not for everybody, but there is an episode that shows his inner dialogue where uh, if, if you two are unfamiliar, he's going through his day and you just hear his inner monologue of being like, ugh, you're waking up late, you fucking lazy piece of shit, you absolute monster. All right, get something in your belly. You're going to go for the coffee? No, you're going to go for an Oreo, you fat fuck. Okay, do this. And then it's just throughout the day making these mistakes and then and then making himself feel worse for making these mistakes and then the guilt that he has leads him to make even further mistakes mm-hmm. and then it's just this repetitive cycle of yeah. doing that and i've suffered with that for a really long time because again it's not right but i don't see myself as a good person and because of that i really do hate myself and because of that I make a lot of choices that self-sabotage myself, both in relationships where like I'll blow up a relationship because I think it's better than them actually getting closer to me and realizing the person that I am. Mm. Uh, And so like, yeah, I I don't have a good inner dialogue. It's something that I'm working towards and working for. And one of the other things is like, no one's going to advocate for you as hard as you should advocate for yourself. So you have to be on your own side. And that's part of it. And also part of it is learning that like forgiveness of the self and and also realizing that like we've already mentioned a bunch is like you are your own harshest critic. Sure. And so those are things that I'm working at. But I am what I'm trying to say is this this question. I want you, whoever asked the question, to know that not only is this extremely common, but it's something that I personally like deal with all the time yeah like we've we've we made the joke earlier like oh i can tell you go to therapy because you've got good answers for this and you're doing what well and you're working on being a better person but like regardless of that i still feel this way yeah yeah it's a process it takes so much time absolutely and i don't know if it'll ever truly go away it's just something it that might is. not and i think the thing that therapy helps is just learning to recognize it mm-hmm. and to understand the feelings you're feeling and maybe some techniques to get you in a better spot or a better place in that moment or whatever it is or not but at least you have like some of the tools that might assist in that something that i've tried doing because i've in the past have also suffered with a pretty bad inner dialogue and negative inner dialogue um and it's weird how much this helps i just switch some of the words to be silly words (laughs) so instead of being like Oh, like you drop that, you idiot. I'm just like, you drop that, you silly goose. <laughs> or just like, oh, you nerd. You you know, like, yeah. oh. Be you, a little more PG with yeah. your insults. And yourself. it honestly helps because it doesn't feel as harsh. Yeah. But I'm still like recognizing like, oh, you, you dunce. Oh, oopsie daisies or like anything like that. Just make it seem like a little less harsh on myself. That's yeah. a fun practice. I should try that. I, I think the worst thing about my inner dialogue is that it's Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> it's voice. <laughs> I can't believe we got the rights to his voice, by the way. Yeah, but we do. Up here. Up here, yeah. I can't believe you did that, you fucking idiot. <laughs> Jaffa, Jaffa. I'm stuck. <laughs> I, think, I think like a, a pop culture makes it acceptable to, to, to do that. Like everyone treats themselves like shit and like in like funny things. It's like, ah, it's so relatable. That guy calls himself a dumb asshole whenever he messes something up too. But like, yeah, I don't think that people realize the hurt that you can cause yourself just by like that slippery slope oh, yeah. of being like, oh, you stupid moron. And then it just doesn't it, end. It's not, it's not good to talk to yourself that way. Yeah. So again, even if you could just switch some words around. Oh, you shouldn't have done that. You... Silly goose. Oh, again. you goober. Yeah. You what are you goober, doing? You know, like, oh, that's silly. That's stupid. That's like, again, not stupid. Yeah. Silly. 
I know that this isn't God, this isn't gonna help anybody, but <laughs> God, you silly Cooper, here you go not helping again. <laughs> See? I uh it did make me smile. <laughs> I do I do stand up comedy. And what? one of the things, yeah, yeah, and I'm pretty good at it. You're uh, very good. One of the things that I learned really on from uh, from a guy who's nice enough to mentor me when I was starting out, because um, again, I, the thing with stand up is I started when I was 17. Yeah, I was just hanging around a bunch of like late 30s, early 40s dudes who were like, "Hey, let me show you the ropes," not in a creepy way. Oh, not okay. In a, okay. Okay. All right. Not in a creepy not way, in a but Shogun assassin way. No, but definitely in a way where they were like, "I know how to live life. I'm 48, fucking divorced, and I smoke two packs a day. You gotta be like me." One of the things that yes, uh, sir. I learned, and that is how I sounded. One of the things that I learned through stand up, and this is an actually very effective tool for stand up comedy, is that the first thing that anyone does whenever they see you is judge you. That's it, and it's not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It could be seeing somebody and being like damn, this guy's fucking yoked. Wow. She is fucking killing it. She's got great style. Or it could be seeing me and going, oh my God, that man is huge. Like six (laughs) foot five, Jesus Christ. I've had people whose first sentence to me is like, you're going to hit the ceiling if I walking into a room. It's the first thing that people notice about me. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that they teach in stand-up is when they judge you, they're going to make an assumption based off of seeing you, based off of the first thing out of your mouth. So you want it to be something self-deprecating that shows like, one, yes, I see what you're seeing mm-hmm. and and I am agreeing with you that you are seeing it. And two, I have a good sense of humor about it. Mm. The most noticeable thing about me is how big I am. I'm also a very large man. I was actually talking with somebody earlier today where I was like talking about how I would, I'll say overweight instead of fat. I know fat's a bad word, but like, and they were like, you're not really that fat. And I was like, no, I'm a big guy, but I'm also a little over six, five. So I'm not like, even at my healthiest, I would probably weigh like 250, 275, which is a lot of person. So for standup, what I would do is I would make a joke about how I'm fat. And then uh, that joke would work. And because it worked, I went, okay, I got to keep doing it. And so then I would spend years mm. going in front of hundreds of people God, a night. Publicly going up there, yourself. Yeah, going up there yeah. and being like, I'm a fat guy. And them going, <laughs> he is. So and getting that acknowledgement too. And so, yeah. So then you're mixing this thing of like making fun of yourself and being self-deprecating, but also tying that in with the satisfaction of making people laugh yeah and it's a hard way to be and in this industry that we do specifically self-deprecating material is the easiest to do because the only victim of that is yourself Mm. Uh, but the downside of that is that you are turning yourself into a victim and you're the person perpetrating it right so like yeah you be be easy on yourself and i'm also not saying like i'm still gonna do the fat joke it's a fucking killer joke it works all the time (laughs) but like also realizing that like you know it's fine it's not i I don't know any other way to say it other than just like you don't you don't have to 
you don't have to be self-deprecating all the time. Right. You, you can you can do other stuff. Uh, you, you can think about the good and positive ways. It's really easy to make fun of ourselves because we know all of our deepest, darkest things. But like, you also know all the stuff that makes you beautiful. And and this 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 thing of like trying to find the hard part or the the good parts in you being hard. Everyone has one. Just yeah. think about it. It doesn't physical is we talked about this earlier is like, I don't like the way my beard structure works. You know what? I love my curly hair. There you go. Everyone loves it. Yeah. Blaine doesn't like a, a certain thing about himself, but you know what? I'm sure he does like about himself. My pubes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was gonna, <laughs> that could go either way. I was going to grab your big giant muscles, but yeah, no, your, your curly pubes, <laughs> your curls. My girls. But it also doesn't have to necessarily be something physical, as you said. Well, can, only be, uh, yeah, I can yeah. find a million things I like about myself that aren't physical, but that I see why that was hard because yeah. they were asking for physical. physical I may have stuff. let this no, get I away think from me. I, I appreciate you getting into it. It's very important, very important discussion. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you for that. I, we have a couple more questions that we'll go through a little quicker, but I do, I do want to <laughs> get to them because they are good ones. Um, this one writes, what do you do when you feel extremely low and want to reach out for help, but can't find the words to express that need? Hmm. I have a strategy with my girlfriend and I'm recognizing that I'm fortunate enough to have this relationship in my life where I can do this. But say you have someone that's very close to you, like a confidant, in your moments of clarity and happiness, you might point out, hey, these are my tells for mm. when I'm not doing so good. And I'm probably not going to vocalize it. If, if you're like me and you have a hard time vocalizing when you're feeling down, you might say, this is how you might know that I'm not in the best of moods and stuff like that. So just be patient with me. Maybe toss me a joke or something like that. Like, and, and just like know that that's what's, what I'm going through. Do you guys ever do the thing where if, if one of you has something that you're going through um, that you discuss whether you want help, you want someone to listen, or you want someone to just hug you? Because yeah. I feel like the there's this tendency I think a lot of people have when someone comes to them with an issue that they're they're facing or something that they're dealing with that that person wants to help. Yeah. How could I fix this yeah. for you? How, how what do you need? What what could I do? Um, or like they give advice on what you're going through unsolicited or maybe even solicited, and that person isn't necessarily looking for that. They just want to be heard yeah. and understood. Um, so oftentimes, like with Trevor and I, my boyfriend, we go through this thing where sometimes I'm like, I have this thing that I want to talk about. I don't want you to fix anything. I don't want advice. I just want to talk about it. I just want to say these things. I want you to acknowledge it um, and kind of give me that reassurance I'm not going crazy or that like anything like that. Yeah. But sometimes I'm just like, I am looking for advice on what to do with this situation. Um, and I guess like recognizing maybe what you're looking for could help when you have a friend or a confidant or a partner or anybody who you're talking to understanding what you want out of that when you come to someone, Yeah, mm -hmm. I think is helpful or you might not know. I would say even easier than reaching out to other people is spending $1,200 on new Nike shirts and clothing that makes you look good. <laughs> Retail therapy is I think it's more. much more, I think it's much more even sustainable too, to spend all the money that you should be saving on. No, obviously not. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely blessed to have um, not only people who are uh, extremely great friends, but people who are so, so, <sighs> What's the words that I'm looking for? 
they're so in tune with good practices on helping people through stuff, whether it be you, Barbara, who is any time you've sensed that I'm having a rough time offered your support and not made it seem like, hey, let's hash this out right now. You're saying I am available as an emotional resource. I have the bandwidth for this. Mm-hmm. Um, Blaine as well, whenever he's not, you know, getting jacked and eating pizza. And, Even then uh, he still has the, the bandwidth. Oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. But the bands are around what his arms and he's going like this. Oh, I'm so strong! <laughs> um, it's an interesting lift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, sh- I struggle a lot with worrying about bothering other people. Uh, and I think, I think that might be part of this is I think that's that a big part. Yeah. I, I don't want to burden anybody else with my bullshit, mostly because of the inner dialogue stuff where I'm like, this is my fault. Like I caused this and it's, and, 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 and then putting this on somebody else and even thinking of it in that connotation of like, I'm putting this on to you. What an inconvenience that I'm now making this your problem. And so what I've, for myself and me and my partner, uh, I am blessed that they are very communicative Mm -hmm. and, and, and myself, I've learned how to do boundaries really well. Blaine's familiar with like, I'm not going to get into any details, but I was in a, in a relationship where I didn't have that. Yeah. And, uh, Blaine went through again, not to out you, but you had a similar, not the same, but you had a similar situation and, and even talking with you and saying that like, oh, this is something that like caused a lot of issues this specific thing of not having this ability so i i have that with my partner what you're talking about where like i've explained these are these are the tells for when i'm gonna get upset Mm -hmm. yeah i get manic i get really angry i get uh almost like i would call it schemey where i'm (laughs) like i'm gonna get this person fired like i'm gonna retaliate so hard scorched earth yeah and then I never act. I always calm down, think about it rationally. And so I go through these periods of like, I need you to let me vent. Yeah. I need you to yeah. let me vent and I need you to put your hand on my shoulder or I need you to let me put my head in your stomach and for you to go, that sucks. Yep. And then when we calm down and we're just like hanging out, I need to not think about the problem. And so we'll distract each other by like watching TV or going out to dinner or cooking. And Mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. when I'm ready for solutions, that's when those can be brought to the table. And so like that is a mix of those two of like, those are my tells. Yeah. I'm, I'm telegraphing the way that I get angry. Cause you can, it's like a fucking hurricane. Like you can see the, the, the pathway that it'll take. And then those boundaries are setting up. I'm also, again, I'm lucky to have a partner. If, okay. you, if you don't, then that's when it becomes stuff of like, you don't know how easy it is to reach out to a friend and be like, Hey, I'm having a, I've been having a really rough go. Do you want to just like hang out and do something? Or like, would you mind if I just like vented to you for a bit and then yeah. like we could go grab a drink or something like that? I was like, going to say, because we have, we're speaking from places of privilege where we all have a significant other who lets us do that. So for sure. what, if this person is, doesn't have that kind of support system, I wonder if there's, if you guys have any like responses for. Yes. That's what I mean, I've before just like finding I've, friends seeking before, out. <laughs> before I've had, before I had a, a, a partner, uh, you know, it was very easy for me to just like, 
I mean, I remember even being in high school. In high school, I was having a really rough go at it. Nothing, nothing out of the ordinary, like, you know, just problems. Uh, some of it was like my mom was getting divorced. I was being sent to like a different school and like whatever. All this stuff that is very trivial now. Sure. But at the time was the worst the thing I had ever gone through. 100%. Yeah. And I remember going to this guy, uh, Anthony. And telling him, like, Anthony and I weren't even really great friends. We had, we were kind of in the same circles. Mm -hmm. And, like, he noticed something was up. And I was like, I've been having a really hard time. And he was like, oh, damn. You want to come hang out? And then I went to his house and we played Black Ops Nazi Zombies. Wow. And, like, just, like, hanging out and being there was cool. And then eventually we just started talking and he was like, what's going on? And I don't want to insult Anthony because he's, at his core, a good person. (laughs) But he's not the most emotionally, like, want to talk about your feelings kind of guy tons of friends that are not yeah yeah it doesn't necessarily make them a bad friend i think hanging out with people eventually you'll get to that point and like you'll 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 be able to do it and i don't know i don't know if that helps at all that it's not you're always gonna feel like you're a, a burden yeah but you're not it's so it's not at all the thing that you think it is it's it's you're always going to feel like you're putting a problem onto another person and that's never how it actually is maybe a way of uh paying it forward but also going through and experiencing what you're putting someone else through is being that person that supports system for somebody else Mm -hmm. and trying that out and if you are having trouble reaching out to somebody being someone else's like shoulder to cry on that way you can experience like oh well you know this isn't they're not burdening me. This isn't a big deal for me to help them and listen to their problems and stuff like that. That way, like, you know, yeah, it's easier for you to go and talk to someone. There's also something pretty magical about opening up to someone in that way because it's possible that that friend that you're speaking to or those the group of friend you're speaking to, they now feel comfortable coming to you yeah. when they're yeah. struggling with something. Whereas before they, they might've felt the exact same way of like, I have no one to turn to. Like, how do I express these things? If I'm feeling low, like, where do I go? And I know like people who have come to me for that stuff, I know I could go to them because like there's mm-hmm. this give and take in that friendship. Yeah, I have plenty of friends who I'm just like, Meh, I don't know if I'd ever talk to them about these things, but sure. I know they would be there for me if I, if I needed them. Yeah. Um, I will say though, on the flip side of that, friendships and relationships are always a two-way street and so if there's a situation where it's like you're constantly going to one friend when you're having a rough time and like you're never invested in their life or what they're dealing with and it just is always this one-sided thing that could maybe feel a little bit too much on that side yeah yeah and so you always have to make sure to balance that out yeah this is i this is where i struggled to say and because look i've been so broke before uh therapy yeah yeah 2006 baby uh therapy is phenomenal for this and i know it's not necessarily the most affordable thing in the world a lot of therapists i don't know what it's like out here specifically or other places in the country california has a lot of resources set up to make therapy more manageable and affordable for people and have sliding scales and even some programs where therapy is uh give not i don't want to say given to you but it's you know it's something that they uh, that that they make more accessible that's the word that i'm looking for um i know that specifically and i don't want to give them you know what i won't give them a shout out okay 
but I was, uh, I have an insurance, I am insured, at least when I was in California, through a, a medical insurance company who actually had a uh, 24-hour uh, hotline mm. that you could call at any point and people would be able to talk with you about stuff. And it wasn't, it wasn't like uh, a self-harm ho- hotline. It wasn't uh, a hotline for like, I'm having a manic episode, uh, but it could include that or it could include, I am really going through it and I'm completely overwhelmed and I don't know what to do. Yeah. They, there, there are there are a lot of options out there too that that aren't that don't cost money if if you know you don't have those like emotional resources and in, in, in friends that uh, you know that that some other people do. I don't know. I'm trying to just provide other options where like there yeah. are there are places that you can go to to, to talk about the stuff. Absolutely. And I would also say too, you, you can shop around for therapists. Like oh, I wouldn't yeah. let, I, I had a not so great first experience with a therapist and it felt like they were very closely monitoring the clock. They, you know, they were, it was like, they were just selling me on their services mm-hmm. as yeah. opposed to like wanting to help me out. And then the guy that I ended up with, it was like, it's like dating around. I found this guy that I really connected with and yeah. he actually, you know, maybe he's just a great liar, but he seemed to really give a shit. I went through three different therapists. Yeah, it's not an easy process. And still haven't yet to find one that I actually really like. And so like there's no harm as you're talking about Blaine with not jiving with a therapist. It's not a one size fit all at all. So do some shopping around and give some patience. Absolutely. Yeah, you're never, I I got lucky where uh, I actually called that hotline and uh, I needed to talk through some stuff and I was having a really rough time and uh, my the hotline person was like, if I tried to get you a therapist, do you, would you be amenable to talking to them? And I was like, hell yeah, dude, fix this shit. My yeah. brain fucked up. <laughs> and then they matched me with somebody and I was like, all right, well, here we go with the process again, trying to find another therapist and then first match, boom, instant. Love nice. her. Love her so much. And Still with have, her? Oh, yeah. Nice. Good. Absolutely. Best therapist I've ever been to in my life. But I've also been to a lot of bad ones. Yeah. yeah. I had a partner, uh, my ex, my ex-girlfriend who... Uh, Getting her to go to therapy was really difficult, and it sounds like it was something I forced on her, but she had a very traumatic experience with therapists, Mm. Um, and so it was really difficult to get her to go to therapists, and what was even worse is when she finally did go to a therapist, the first one pushed God on her and was trying to imply that some of the problems she was having was because she wasn't close enough with Jesus. The second therapist she went to literally fell asleep during their Jesus session Christ. uh and like started snoring almost cartoonishly so like therapists are people working a job there's good ones there's bad ones and there's people who are really dedicated to it and really invested in it and yeah. others who are not and yeah. you gotta shop around because yeah. it's that and so that's really very very important All right well we we do have other questions that we won't be able to get to today we'll have to do a part two of this <laughs> because we have we have so much stuff to get to. Um, and if you have questions for us on the show, whether it be about depression, self-image, or anything at all, you could email us at alwaysopen at roosterteeth.com. Before we close out the show, and if you guys are comfortable with this, mm. I would love for you both to share something you love about yourself, which I know we talked about, if you're comfortable with it. And for anyone watching, if you want to leave a comment about something you love about yourself or just write it down just for you to have... A um, little bit of homework today after today's episode. doesn't have to be physical. It could be mental. It could be something about your personality, just something you love about yourself. Uh, I would love for you to share that if you're comfortable with it. Mm. 
and if you guys are comfortable about it. Yeah. Uh, something that I recently went through was a really shitty, painful, awful injury on my left bicep. And I know this is very stereotypical of me to, of course, bring it back to muscles and talking about my physique and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it was one of these things that it sucked and I had to get uh, surgery and the recovery process was going to be awful and it's super intensive and there was no promise that it was going to look normal or return back to full strength. And uh, a big thing that I learned was it's process versus outcome. You know, I wasn't so concerned. The moment I stopped thinking like, oh, I got to get my bicep back to the same strength and the same size as the other one. And the more it was just like, well, I just need to take each day. It's a process of like retraining it and regrowing it and trying to get it back. Uh, it made that process a lot easier. But all this is to say, I, I, I love that I uh, got it back to normal and I love my scar. I think it's a really cool thing. It reminds me a lot about, it's like a tattoo almost. Yeah. It's like it reminded me of the experience of going through it in my recovery process and how far I've come. Oh, yeah. That was something that we actually talked about, uh, you and I, when we were hanging out the other day. Just like the that process, the process over the journey. Yeah. I think that's something that is really important to always remember. Just, uh, you know, if you're a destination-based person, you're never going to be satisfied. Yeah. It's all about being here now. It's all about going through that journey and, and experiencing it along the way. The fun part of uh, Lord of the Rings isn't when they get to the place. There's a whole movie. Oh, wow. You Multiple. I mean? That's a great way of putting that. <laughs> yeah. Like if, if the destination was the good part, then every movie would be like, we got to go here. We're here. We're here. Let's party. Woo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got the ring. The journey is always going to be the most interesting and the part where you learn the most. So always, always focus on the journey. Hmm. Um, I'd say for myself, uh, I mean, what's not to love? Smoking hot, super rich, fucking big old dick. Jerry's uh, <laughs> <laughs> still out. Okay. <laughs> oh shit, man! Fuck, man! I didn't know this was the Comedy Central roast of Armando. Damn. No, I. Uh, I think one thing that I uh, really love about myself is that. Uh, God, this sucks because I'm not being facetious right now. I love that I'm funny. I. Mm -hmm. uh, I. I really, really. Um, I like being funny and I like making other people laugh and I love hanging out with funny people that make it really fun to be around and uh, something that I sort of relish in is this idea that like people like being around me because like I'm I'm fun I'm funny and so uh, I'm not everyone's cup of tea and I'm willing to bet that and again like I'll never be the funniest person in the world and I don't think perfection exists so you'll never be able to hit anybody but there have been people who have come up to me and been like that was the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life or like I really related to that for X, Y, or Z or whatever. And so um, I have been really impressed with my ability to even in the worst circumstances remain to, to be constantly making jokes yeah. where uh, in fact, plugging it again that Armando uh, moves to Austin video. I talked <laughs> with both of you about this when we were filming that and this is no one's fault. I was in a really bad mood. Yeah. I was really upset. I had spent, 
I had been traveling so much for work that I was basically gone from my home for about three and a half weeks. And then when I got back, I had three days to pack up all my stuff. And then we left late, my own fault, because I wasn't done packing. And then I also had to take everything to the shipping center and like put it in there. And we, they broke my TV. And uh, and then we were three of us crammed into a 2018 Honda Civic. Oh, okay. Yeah, much more livable. <laughs> And uh, I was in a really, really bad mood the whole time, and I, I, I was having not a great time. And when I was working on the edit, I was like, fuck, man, I'm just going to have to watch hours of me being in a bad oh. mood. There's a lot of punchlines. Dude, hell yeah. Good stuff. And being in there was really fun. And so, like, it's just, uh, I think that's what I really, really love. Because that was a question, right? What do you yeah, love about you love yourself? yourself? Yeah. Yeah, I love that no matter what happens, uh even in the worst situations i'm gonna be making a joke and even if it might be the inopportune time like after a murder happens at a laundromat there will be one person like officer sanchez off to the side who goes mm. oh. <laughs> and that makes me very happy i love that yeah i love that for you um for me i love how much i care about people Mm -hmm. um sometimes i feel like empathy could be really difficult to deal with especially when you feel things very deeply and like wear other people's emotions in yourself a little too heavily and like but i feel like it's made me a better person and i also think about this all the time of like i fucking love my friends and i think my friends are like the greatest people and they're so just the, they mean the world to me and i'm like well if my friends are this great i must be doing something right yeah mm. i must be a pretty okay person and for what it's worth we know that you love us and it's yeah it's a great feeling this um, is news to me <laughs> love you bud <laughs> oh shit um so yeah i just uh i appreciate that part of myself and uh i used to try to suppress it but now i'm just like fuck it embrace it bro embrace it nice that's well, hard love you guys it is yeah. hard to say something you love about yourself it's hard um because again it's like that whole mentality of like well i don't want to be like yeah like full of myself full of or myself yeah. or i don't want people to think that i'm like obsessed with myself and it's like you should be obsessed with yourself yeah you're the you're your own biggest advocate yeah. all the time and what's funny is that like as goofy as it is all of those things are true blaine looks like a goddamn porcelain statue of a beautiful man <laughs> with a scar yeah, with a scar <laughs> the imperfections are actually what makes the art better i agree and I know we got to get out of here. Here's a fun fact that I just learned. Uh, did you know back in the day when they were making marble statues, uh, because those were commissioned by patrons, they weren't allowed to sign them or leave a mark that said like, Michelangelo did this or whatever. Really? Uh, yeah, that's they they don't have stuff and they didn't have that. But if you ever go to like when I went to the Louvre and I saw that La Louvre and I saw Michelangelo's, the bottom of them were all imperfect and fucked up and chipped away. That was Michelangelo's signature. Oh, wow. that was his mm. malicious compliance of being like, oh, I can't let him know I did it. Blah, 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 blah. Guess Digger, what? No. <laughs> that's exactly what he sounds so, like. Yeah. Too. Your scar is a little imperfection that makes you more perfect because the scar is more meaningful than not having it there and it makes you a better person. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take that. It's beautiful. And I'm very funny and you're an incredible friend. So we're all true. And that's that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, thank you both for joining me today, Armando Blaine. Appreciate you guys mm -hmm. more than you'll ever know. And yeah, I can everyone, skip therapy now. <laughs> everyone watching, thank you for being here with us. Thank you for watching this episode. Feel free to share it with a friend. Um, 
or write in your own question at any point in time, always open at roosterteeth.com. We would love to hear from you. And thank you for watching this episode and for watching anything on the All Good No Worries channel where we have always open every single Tuesday and other fun shows every Thursday. We love you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.